On this episode of Dane Digital, there is a lot of profanity. At some point or another, there is going to be profanity. In fact, there is one coming right up. And after the intro, we'll talk about what this episode's about. People are listening to this episode like, dude, this dude, whoever's talking, this sounds like a fucking ignorant fuck. <laughs> the questions he's asking, <laughs> the comments he's making, he's such an ignorant fuck. He sounds He's like learning. a Ching Chong right He's now. Learn- <laughs> <laughs> He's probably... no, he sounds like a slanted eye. I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> They're like, this guy has Corona right now. He did, yeah. This guy has <laughs> Corona. He talked about it earlier, and I think he does. This dude's breathing heavy in my fucking ear. This motherfucker. He just played basketball. It's okay. Let him play. Yeah. Ten hours Let ago. him live his life. <laughs> How long was this ago? Yeah, I played ten hours ago. Let him live his best life. Oh man. Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning. We're all learning. I'm still learning. Waking up in the morning, I can't remember yesterday with you. said a lot of profanity and hopefully that sets you up for this new episode of dating digital my goodness where has the time gone it has been about a year and a half last episode came out around december 2020 as of recording this it is now may 2022 however the recordings that you're about to hear were all done throughout 2019 some as early as january some as late as december 2019 so the opinions and thoughts may have changed perhaps because all the people that have been recorded did not know a global pandemic was going to hit them will opinions change though i don't think so because today's episode we talk with three different people who identify as being part of the LGBTQIA plus community and we are hearing their stories of how it has been navigating their identity through the dating world and through their own communities their own family and friends and what that really looks like now I just need to preface it because there's a lot of education that needs to be done on my end, as well as maybe other people who are listening and just whatever it may be. So I just want to say that, that I am learning, I am listening, and there's still a lot to learn, and I'm excited to learn it. But with that, I hope you all kind of learned something today. There are some trigger warnings on the second story, and I will give a, another warning prior to that. But besides that, hope you enjoy and just thank you to all three people, Kiana, TJ, and Nat, for their time and for their willingness to share. Hope you all enjoy. So I want to talk about that, actually. So... The last person I interviewed... Uh, Here's my good friend, Kiana, who I met in Oregon, grew up in Hawaii, 
no, no, no. Here no. is her experience. Yeah, that, was, that was a long time ago. But like literally the last person I interviewed, uh, he's identifies as, as homosexual from Hawaii. And then he said in his interview that his dad like doesn't talk to him anymore. And oh, it's like kind of just, well, he didn't say that. He just says like him, like there's no relationship. Mm-hmm. I just assumed <laughs> he doesn't talk to him or something. Right. Right. Um, so like, cause I've heard this from not just him, but I've heard from other people about how like, um, I even heard like Ryan Higa's a podcast off the pill about like how there's like a word for it, um, for like gay people, especially like gay, Back at gay home? guys. Yeah. Um, is it Mahu? Yes. Yeah. And so to use that and then it's like um, a derogatory term, Yeah. but everyone uses it. Yes. Yeah. And then like, so, so growing up in that environment of that, and for some reason I was just kind of surprised. I don't know why, like I was surprised how discriminatory um i mean i guess like compared to other places they're like oh fuck you know but sure. like but just like you know because you hear the stereotypes of like oh hawaii is like the beautiful paradise aloha, there's like a bad everyone, aloha culture yeah, you know yeah. everyone's loving and then you hear there's like um like the lgbtq community there is like frowned upon in certain mm-hmm. cases right so mm-hmm. I, that that took me by surprise. I was just surprised by it. But like like understanding in Hawaii where I guess a lot of people is that like a lot of people use like derogatory terms yeah, in general. Like I, I didn't realize how big so like the N word is like growing up I didn't realize how big it was mm-hmm. or how much like pain it brings to people until I got to the mainland. Mm. And I feel like that's more so because like any like African American person that we see back at home, they're usually military. Yeah. And so I didn't grow up with that. Like just no it's just ignorance. Like I just didn't know the stain that, that word that kind of word has on it. Mm-hmm. And so with like Mahu or even the Filipino word like Bakla, stuff like that, it was uh, I don't know how to I think it's more so ignorance more than anything mm-hmm. and those user are there's those words are used as like you're making fun of somebody and so like growing up you think these words are okay to use because you're laughing at these jokes mm-hmm. until you get to like the mainland and you're like no this is not good yeah. this is not okay like even even uh in high school i remember they gave out these pins like it says like uh you're so gay and as i like, crossed out mm-hmm. and it's explaining how like you know people would use that like i don't i haven't heard that is much, but I remember there's this like this time period where we like that was just the insult, that, yeah. Like that was the yeah. top insult, In, like, like middle oh, school, dude, like you guys are kind of gay right now, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but they were using that term to refer like a negative mm-hmm. connotation to someone, but not necessarily being like, oh, you're actually like you're actually gay, same sex, homosexual, right, right, right. gay. Right. And should... so yeah, but learning how like that, like even that that mindset of like you're using this term. Mm as a negative way mm-hmm. to describe someone like that's mm-hmm. rough so and i feel like me growing up like i would use that too like oh you're so freaking gay mm-hmm. but then i don't know there's and i feel like that's where like my internal homophobia comes from too is just hearing that word and knowing that the negative connotation that comes with it i don't even know where i was going with that <laughs> my mind just like freaking went off um 
I just lost my train of thought. Well, okay. I don't know if this is your train of thought, but I'll take you on a different train. Let's go, let's go. Choo choo. Let's go. <laughs> so, well, you just said that, though. You're like, your inner homophobia made me think of Hannah Gatsby. Mm-hmm. I remember how she said, like, growing up in whatever city she grew up in Australia, it was, like, super homophobic. Right. So, she had, she grew up being homophobic mm-hmm. uh, until she found out she realized that she was a lesbian, that she's struggling within herself because now it's like thank you for recommending that too because that's so good because it was very relatable yeah that's for sure yeah I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna see if i can just sneak some, some audio audio <laughs> <laughs> netflix is gonna be like excuse me motherfucker right yeah <laughs> excuse me motherfucker we taking this down like come on dog. this is this. good content man i need context <laughs> um yeah so that's what that's what it kind of made me think of it. So I guess just like going back to your story at what point, cause you're just like, Oh, I, I was trying to like find a boy da, 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 mm-hmm. until you find out you realize. Nah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> so like sure. what, like what, what point did you're like, did I realize? Yeah. Like I'm not looking for a boy. <laughs> but I thought it's Probably in college. Like, uh, like growing up, I knew that there was gay boys, like homo, homosexuals in that way. But growing up, like whenever I would see another woman that was tomboy mm-hmm. or whatever, more masculine, I would think that she was just a tomboy and like mm-hmm. not necessarily affected or like attracted. She was a tomboy, but still attracted to other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, lesbians weren't visual like i've never seen that before until yeah. i got to college and where'd you go did you go i went to pacific oh so you went undergrad there too yeah, yeah. got it okay. i've been here for too long <laughs> because like i guess that's a contrast because like oregon well i won't say oregon as a whole portland metro maybe it's like so uh more promoting and like uh empowering of like lgbt community right um and like everything like that and so like did that kind of play a part like like how how is that how is that coming from the 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 life you kind of grew up around like using like homophobic terms and things like that Mm -hmm. um and like even you just saying like not realizing that the tomboys could uh, be a lesbian could be lesbians Um, Jokes on me. I didn't know that either because when I was in elementary school and well, high I grew school, up like wearing boy shorts and all of that, so yeah. I thought I was just a tomboy. And like, I grew up I, around the women, a lot of women like that, and then they 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 like dating guys. So I was like, oh, see, very yeah, thrown off. Yeah, see, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, very thrown off. So yeah. how was that though, like transitioning into into Oregon? Uh, then find that out. Um, so I went through like four years of college. And when I first got to, like, my freshman year, there was other lesbians that were, like, trying to drag me out of the closet. Like, oh, she's probably lesbian. Like, <laughs> what is that? What does that even mean? <laughs> they're trying to drag, they're trying to drag me out of did the closet. Give you, like, did they even give you, like... Okay, okay, just keep going first. I, want, I have a question after. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I met these people, like, this group of women who were more tomboy. And so I thought I was going to get along with them. Mm-hmm. Come to find out that like some of them had crushes on me. And then I was like, no, I'm not. A, I'm not about to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. 
And so for like throughout most of college, I was just kind of fighting that part of myself, even though I straight up knew that I probably was a lesbian. And it didn't happen until... So I took a year off after college and went back home. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until then that I kind of like came to terms, terms, came to terms with myself. Like, yeah, you're definitely not straight. Yeah. Well, what was, what was that? Like, what was that moment for you? Um, uh, during college, I definitely had a relationship with a girl, although we, we both weren't acknowledging that it was a relationship. Was she out the closet? No. So we were both in the closet at the time. Yeah. But we were doing everything that a relationship would call for. Yes. You would say I met my ex and that's basically I was like, yeah, I'm not not straight at all. So, well, so like going back to like try to drag you out the closet, like, (laughs) like what is, did you ever talk to those people? Like what the mindset was behind that to be like, Um, oh, Kiana, yeah, this is not straight. It was. It wasn't even like me hanging out with them. Like I would hear it through the grapevine. Like they would tell some of my friends, like, "Oh, they think I'm gay." Is that crazy? Like even like, wait, were these people? These people were lesbians. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, and they were from Hawaii too. Well, like, <laughs> well, from from your perspective, like, how did you feel that people were outing you out? We're trying Even to though you I out didn't think for that you, I was. yeah, you didn't even know. I was just like, <laughs> so why are these out. people trying to like spread rumors about me? Yeah, when I'm not, I don't know. And it wasn't like I was trying to date anybody at the time either. It's mm-hmm. just I was just trying to get through college, shit. But they're like, we need Kian to let people know that. Yeah, yeah. How how do you feel about the term straight? Straight and uh, not straight, because then uh, that came up in our class. How, like, some people don't like the word straight because, like, what's the opposite of straight? Crooked or whatever. And Then, then what so... would you call the opposite of crooked people? Straight, right? Yeah. I don't... Yeah. But then, like, people like the people were saying, like, they found it offensive to call, like, homosexuals crooked. Uh, if that's what you mean. Because that, that's looked at as, like, negative and... Sure. Sure. But do you care about any... No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was just curious because <laughs> they brought it up. I sat there. I was like, I was like, oh. Cool. I mean, shoot, yeah, I am crooked. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll take it. We're all crooked on the inside. We're all crooked on the inside, <laughs> in a way, regardless. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Um. Okay. So you so you went home mm-hmm. during that break, and then what? So what? What was that realization? I, I think it was more so. It was a slow process, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I went home, I think I was more uh, aware of how I would look at other women. And I think around that time, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm not looking at these women because they're attractive or because, like, I want to be them. Mm-hmm. It's because, like, I want to be with them more so. If that makes sense. I say that all the time. Like, damn, with that woman. I'm to be with that woman. <laughs> so I, I get exactly what you're <laughs> I get exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But then I still get, like, confused. Because sometimes I see men. And it's like, do I want to be with them? Or am I just appreciative of how good like, looking good they, they are? are? Yeah. 
I ask that same thing sometimes. See, <laughs> I'm like, fuck, do so I want to be with them? Do, are we all? Because <laughs> there are a lot of good looking dudes. Yeah. I can appreciate. Yeah, the world has a lot of good looking dudes. Yeah. Um, okay, so so you kind of came to this slow realization mm-hmm. processing that this is who you identify as mm-hmm. now. Like what what happens after that? Like who what did, switched? <laughs> or like like did you like 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 what's a step? Like what is a step? <laughs> of, of, <laughs> to, to be honest, it's gonna like, sound ignorant. Like what is a step of coming out? <laughs> what is a? <laughs> to be honest, I didn't process? I didn't think that I was gonna come out for the longest time until like I met my ex, mm-hmm. and then like with her, I was like, "Fuck, I can't hide this shit. Yeah. Like, this is not this is not something that I want to hide from my family." Yeah, like yeah. I they need to know about it and yeah because of her that's why i came out to my family and it was probably in like the wrongest way possible but i'm not mad about it well, no. i came out i came out to my no i came out to both my parents at the same time okay i came out to like my cousins first and they were like what the fuck why did you even tell us we knew this the whole time kind of thing we knew this the whole time <laughs> And then, like, my dad would actually drop hints whenever I would come home from college. He's yeah. like, oh, do you have a boyfriend or girlfriend? You know, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> so I knew, I knew coming out to him, it'd be cool. Like, we'd be, we'd be okay. Oh, <laughs> I used to have to do that as a youth counselor because I'll be like, because I like, I did a boys group. Right. And I was like, say the same stuff. Like, like hey, you when y'all get your girlfriends or boyfriends, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so that's hella funny. Well, my dad grew up in San Diego. So he was oh, like, he so grew up with those kinds of people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it's different. Yeah. But my mom's a little on the more conservative side. So are they, are they both Catholic? Yeah. So how, so going to that, then like your comment earlier, like how does that play a part? My mom. Well, how did that play a part? I guess, or still does. I don't know. Uh, my mom still is like hoping that I end up with a dude. Mm. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Like every time I come home, she's like, "Are you with somebody? A boyfriend or girlfriend?" She'll like say it on the or side. <laughs> She'll like say it on the side. Are you Not with like anybody? Forward, but <laughs> Are you with anybody right now? I'm yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. You guys can relax. Mom, especially, yeah. like she can relax. Um. But yeah, I feel like, at least for her, she's hoping that I still end up with a guy. And so, like, well, with that, though, like, is it because what people interpret? And I'm not saying what the Bible says. I'm saying what people interpret the Bible says mm. as, like, whatever is that what it is or what it would like what i don't i don't know where she's coming from to be honest. i mean like obviously she grew up more conservative so mm-hmm. it's gonna be hard for her to like change her views yeah so that's what i'm curious about like is it i mean i'm not to like grill you no you're <laughs> good you don't you're know good. either actually apparently <laughs> um but what i'm thinking about like what i'm curious about is like is it is it the catholic aspect is it like the more quote-unquote traditional aspect of like no i need i feel i think it's the more catholic aspect that's like for sure mm. Um, when, when I would go on like vacation, I guess with my, like she was a friend still. And then my mom would tell me, oh yeah, I'm watching uh, Ellen. So it's like, she's trying, yeah, but she's not quite there yet. Yeah. 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 I love- <laughs> 
<laughs> You're like, what the heck? No, then like that's in a way to me that's the like, kind of sweet. Like yeah. I'm watching Ellen. She's trying as a way, you know. Um, and I can see that she's trying. Like, yeah. It's not, it's not gonna happen overnight, and yeah, I know yeah, that. Yeah. That's for sure. But yeah, that's awesome though. Mm-hmm. And so. I guess like after after you came out to your parents and your cousins and everything like that, then like, how did you personally feel? A lot more like myself. Yeah. Like I didn't have it was like weight lifted, you know the classic what everyone else says when they come out. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I didn't really grasp it until I chopped my hair off. <laughs> that was like a big turning point for me. Mm-hmm. Cause like looking at myself in the mirror now, just like I'm not hiding anything. Like obviously people are still gonna think that I'm straight or whatever, mm-hmm. even though I don't get it because I dress more, I guess androgynous or whatever yeah. you would call it. What well, um, do you do? You identify as a female? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I like people have called me sir <laughs> with my haircut. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Like I don't take it bad or anything. Yeah. It's just, it is what it is. Like, people are not gonna... If they don't know who you are, then I can't be butthurt about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, I mean, that's a great, like, attitude, because, shit, nowadays, in age, if someone... Like, you that, don't know nowadays. Yeah. Either. Well, but like, like, even if, like, if, uh... <laughs> if someone said that to you, like, like, oh, thank you, sir, or whatever, I can just imagine a lot of people hearing, like, whoa, whoa, whoa! <laughs> clearly, <laughs> clearly, clearly a Watch woman. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I was, I was asking for... You know how they, sometimes you have to ask for the code for the bathroom? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they would give me, like, the guy's code. And I'm just like, no, I'm sorry. I'm, like, I'm a lady. Can I get the woman's bathroom? And they're like, oh, sorry, my bad. That was my fault. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. no, it's all good. Like, I know how I look. Like, it's... It is what it is. Yeah, so that's awesome that you had that, like... Had that transformation mm-hmm. in terms of, like, not being able to process and, like, do all these different things to... Yeah. Like, what you said, be feel like who you are be like be yeah. who you are yeah and so so like coming to circle then that first question i asked like so who <laughs> i feel like i'm just like chewing off these first questions <laughs> yeah well that first question though like yeah who who are you now like what is who are you now that you weren't like 10 years ago 10 years ago uh i'm out i'm proud i mean i'm not gonna like advertise it to everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know if they see me, they'll yeah. know. Um, I think I'm just more comfortable in myself in general. Like being introverted, stuff like that. Being out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being more confident. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's dope. I mean, those are huge. Yeah. So, like, when you when you weren't out yet, like, did you... Did you feel... Did you feel uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. Stuff? Like... Yeah. Like, I felt like I had to, like, I had to wear dresses in order to be acceptable as a female. Or, I don't know, it was just, it feels like it was so long ago, but it's not really that long ago. Um... Or just even, like, being careful about how I talked about the people that I was talking to. Mm -hmm. Like, with my family, if I was talking to a girl, I'd be like, oh, he's blah, blah, blah. 
and stuff like that. Like, I, I feel like I don't have to hide that kind of those little things anymore. Oh, like you were talking about like who you're dating or yeah. interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I feel like I'm the same person mostly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so like for you then, like going back to the other first question. <laughs> I guess not first question, but just around that. I guess like just going back around that like Hawaii Hawaii thing now. Like, do you feel okay? Like, I'll just meet me example, right? Moving up here from San Francisco, the Bay Area, and whatever. I feel now more of an obligation in Oregon to educate people on like Asian and Chinese mm. and stuff like that, right? Because mm-hmm. I think like a lot more people I've met up here just don't know. Mm-hmm. And then they'll, like, say some shit that's not offensive to me, but it can be super offensive to someone else. Right. So, like, for you, do you feel like, do you feel like just growing up the way you did and then even you saying, like, you felt like that homophobia inside just because of, like, how you grew up and people you grew up around? And then now who you are now, like, do you feel like you have to educate Educate people like in that? general? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, every time I go home now... There's a reason why I can only stay for like two weeks at a time mm-hmm. is because of that like small mindedness back at home that you don't have up here. Um, or if I get into like conversations with uh, family members about stuff in that like LGB- LGBT things, mm-hmm. like I feel like I have to educate them. Like you can't say those kinds of words because that's going to offend some people or like educating them because they all grew up small-minded or like not small-minded but like in the conservative community mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. and yeah like every time i go home even if it's with friends and stuff like i'll try to sneak in some com- comments like just some little education stuff like don't be saying that kind of stuff that's gonna offend some people um yeah definitely yeah. That's dope. Gotta educate some people about oh, stuff. Yeah. Even though Paris still, I'm just like people who use the N word that shouldn't be using the N word. Mm-hmm. And then definitely like the F word. The word I used out of that earlier. Oh. Maggot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, which one? Maggot with an F. <laughs> um Yeah, it's tiring though. There's like there's like eventually where it's just like people don't believe this, but I believe there's a fine line. Like, eventually, like, you have to... I'm not saying give up, but you can't you're, go at it There's all a the certain time. point where you're just wasting your breath. Like, yeah, they have to meet you halfway. Yeah. They have to want to learn, exactly. want to be educated in order for you to, like, help them. Because I see you. so many people, like, use so much of the energy and emotional energy and physical energy to, like... For sure. Try to get someone to change and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, dude, they're not... If they're not gonna change, like, <laughs> like why? Like, why, why are you, are you trying so, much... so hard? Yeah, and they get upset. They're like, "Fuck!" Why? I'm like, that's just the way people are. Just, yeah. Like, they're gonna want to change when they want to change. You can't be the one to do that. Yeah. That was Kiana sharing her experiences and her story. Kiana, since that interview has moved down to California, we still keep in touch, and she is 
flourishing in California, and I'm so happy for her. This next segment, we welcome TJ, who's here to share his story as being identified as a gay Asian male in the dating world and how being a person of color plays a part in some of his endeavors. Also, at the same time, there is a trigger warning for physical and sexual abuse and violence. So I just want to give you all a heads up as well as just a warning that it does get a little graphic in terms of some of TJ's explanations on, um, let's just say a date that he had on the night before. And that one's not a trigger warning per se. It just gets graphic and TJ told me to give people a heads up. So that is what I'm doing here. Yeah. Here's TJ. Um, so I, uh, I grew up in Hawaii. Um, I grew up in Wahiawa of all small places. If you've ever been there, it's central Oahu. It's right next to Schofield Barracks. It's yeah. like around army people. Yeah. Uh, my mom's actually in service now. Oh. Um, she's a colonel in the military. So kind of cool, kind of, kind of cool growing up with a very strong parental figure like that. Um, but I kind of grew up, uh, with a dad who is homophobic actually. Until this day is still homophobic. Um, so that's kind of the sad part. Um, but my mom is very not. Um, I have an older sister um, who I grew up with. And uh, she was very, she's such an ally. I think her daughter's um, godparents are actually two lesbians. And uh, so, yeah, she, you know, everybody else other than my father it has this like, apprehension around gay people so i'll kind of deep dive into my past yeah. you know i grew up really 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 poor mm. like in a cul-de-sac had poor people people were not they were gambling during the weekends you know i'm sure they're doing lots of drugs so i grew up really poor and i didn't realize how that would kind of impact me in the future mm-hmm. um with that being poor you know i got to see um, my grandparents, like they would fight. And I think more specifically, I saw my grandfather grab this like telephone pole or telephone wire around my grandmother's neck. And when I walked in on that, he stopped. But, you know, that's the kind of like uh, scenario that I would be subjected to yeah. as a child. Yeah. So I kind of um, I grew up around violence and abuse, um, including my father being abusive and verbally abusive and emotionally abusive. And as a person of color, it's really tough, right? Um, That's kind of the world you live in. It's the kind of world that you kind of normalize. So anyway, long story short, um, I was thankfully, my mom didn't want that for us. Um, She like really imparted us with education as the way through. Um, She did it when she, because she grew up in the same area and same Mm -hmm. kind of scenario, she joined the military. They gave her free education. She got out of it. She got into a nursing degree. She got us into a house, you know? So I, I, I learned and grew up knowing as a person of color that if I kind of put myself and apply myself through education, that that might be a a pathway out of the horrible kind of scenario I was in. So, yeah. Um, but growing up, I kind of also knew that I was gay and and not in the way that most people think that is. I think I grew up 
not understanding why I liked New Kids on the Block like my sister did. <laughs> and th- I think that's the best, like the earliest memories when I think about it. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, I like Jordan too. And, <laughs> but not realizing the impact of if I had, you know, had said that, yeah. what my family would do. Yeah. I guess when we were in elementary, New Kids on the Block was a big thing. And, you know, they were so all about the bot magazines and things. And they would like, I don't know, be teen girl, like, uh, excitement around that. And I was like, me too. So I kind of was like, that's, that's like me. I I like them too. Yeah. But not realizing that as a guy, that's not kind of normal in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was liking the same things they were, but I was a boy. Yeah. So it's, it, it didn't dawn on me what being there was a name for that or what that that was different because i treated it like i was the same because i was like my sister she's a girl and she's a person so i'm a person but i'm a boy so we should all like the same things kind of situation yeah yeah yeah. I, i guess i didn't realize when i was younger how adults would view that but i was trying to be myself and so i was like yeah i like that too i like new kids on the block too yeah you know earliest memories of homophobia and homophobic behavior from my family came from um we have a a phrase in uh in hawaiian and in filipino so mahu is hawaiian meaning fag and uh bakla is uh fag in filipino so i would hear that as a child in and out and that was really like and i think they were talking about me and I kind of had this negative stigma growing up thinking I must be, there's must be something wrong with me. Mm. So yeah. So it was really a, a real big struggle. Right. And then, you know, my dad used to tell me a lot of, you know, stop breathing through your nose. And I, I never would understand what he would mean by that. But what he was really saying was stop sounding so gay. Like, so those were two things were synonymous and a fun fact in, I believe it was, seventh grade my parents tried to get me to go to a um uh what is it the people that you go to to try to uh not be gay conversion therapy yes oh so yeah, i went that, to a con- that's, yes. yeah that's super ethical now <laughs> like they yeah you'll lose your license fast i went to one and i didn't realize at the time because my parents wanted me to go to speech therapy speech therapy for my lisp uh-huh and then they wanted me to not be gay because I was just more and more trying to be myself. But, you know, a lot of the time they were trying me not to be myself. Yeah. So it was just it was really rough. Like I kind of I want to say I had a good childhood, but I didn't. Yeah. You know, I got beaten up by my bullies. I So I went through the traditional gay kind of uh experiences i got bullied by people i got name called people would alienate me um during high school um friends were really difficult for me but you know all those things i think kind of went on the wayside so i started kind of i don't know putting myself into sports Mm -hmm. putting Mm -hmm. myself into academics putting myself into music so those are the key outlets for me and and i you know, I excelled in them because I was like, fuck this. I, if 
I don't want to be known as being gay, but I yeah. want to be known as being a good volleyball player or a basketball player or a soccer player. Yeah. I want to be known as the fastest person here. I want to be known as the best oboist. Yeah. You know? So like like your your response to like being bullied and just being like in a way outcast and alienated and stuff was to like all right, I'm gonna respond to this by like being the best that I yeah. can in these Absolutely. categories. And in some ways that's it was great. It's a great outlet because mm-hmm. then I can think about why I was the best. And I remember one comment during middle school, you know, I was beating everybody at track. And I was fast. I was super fast. I used to wear weights around um, when I was younger. Oh, you were serious. serious I was serious. <laughs> um, and you're killing it. I, like I had like that. five pounds on my skinny little legs walking around everywhere because number one, people when people bullied me, they would like grab branches and kind of bash me. So I'd have to run. So I figured if I was weighted during school, I could take them off and then run home fast and so that's kind of how he started doing it and the other plan is that you can use the weights and throw it at them i didn't think that (laughs) surprisingly you know that would have been a lot smarter like but then i would lose the weights that's true that's true (laughs) then the next day would come and you know you never know what would happen that's true you know it's flight or flight right yeah and i i'm not typically a fighter um but then i would go home and i would get subjected to my father so it's just like this never-ending abuse process that I had to yeah. kind of like filter myself out of. Yeah. Um, so those outlets were fantastic for me. You know, like I didn't have to be at home when I was at music. I didn't have to be at home when I was playing sports. I didn't have to be at home when I was studying in the library. I literally legit stayed in the library learning about fish, which I, I think you know this. I do seahorses. So like they're my real, like they're kind of like thing that makes me so much joy yeah it's awesome so you know all these outlets really helped yeah um but fast forward into learning that i was gay so i came out when i was 18 did you know like at um like at what point like what age did you were you like identified identified like, this is what i identify as and let me think i think i fully immersed myself into to understanding that this was like, there was no other path. I think that's the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had a high school girlfriend and that was really, really awkward. Um, <laughs> funny story though, <laughs> funny story. I am so sorry if you hear this and you are, I'm telling the story, but this is what it is. So I went to a party and she was there and I didn't, and this was like a sophomore in high school and I was like, oh cool. And she was the teacher's daughter. And anyway, I didn't know what to do. People were like, you should kiss her. And I was like, oh, okay. I leaned over and kissed her and I felt so nauseous because I didn't realize my hand was touching her boob. And when I looked down at her boob, I kind of vomited. I, yeah, that's exact. Yeah, I vomited in on top of her. And I kind of s- sort of knew that that was like maybe not God's plan for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah. Okay, After that, we realized that was not the thing that was going to happen anymore. Because yeah. I think, you know, instinctively, I was just like, I, I don't think this is for me kind of situation. But yeah, I didn't yeah. out, outright come out as gay. But I knew that I wasn't good for being a, you know, a boyfriend to a yeah. girl. Yeah. So, and even at the time, it was really interesting because I didn't know that gay was a thing. I know people called me that and I knew... It was such a derogatory word, but I 
I didn't feel like a bad person like people were describing. But they're using it as like an insult. Right. In a way more so, right? Or right. But we know in psychology that eventually it becomes like this, you know, you're gay means that you're different and yeah. you're different means that, you know, you're not good enough to yeah. be one of us. And then now it becomes this like snowball effect is I'm never going to be good enough. I'm not yeah. good enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not good. So yeah. that kind of, um, so all those stereotypes kind of, it actually affected my, um, so when I came out, I, I had this huge armor on me, like completely different personality. Age 18. Yeah, age yeah. 18. And I did not give a fuck about anybody and anything. And some some ways it served Oh, me that great. type of armor. Okay. Yeah. yeah all right. Like, <laughs> I was like, you can call me gay. That's fine. That's cool. I'll sleep with your brother. You know, like, it's, it's like, <laughs> it didn't really matter. Like, I, I was just like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's really what it came down to. And, and a lot of times my family looked at that as being very aggressive, bearing, you know, like, and some ways that really hurt me as a person because yeah. I was, I was abandoning a lot of my own values, right? And but at the same time, nobody's like my parents didn't teach me how to be gay, so I didn't know any better. I watched as I watched around as I got to meet all the other gay people around me, and they were really bitchy queens, or drag <laughs> queens, or <laughs> gym bunnies, and I was like, I don't know which one I am. Like, yeah. I, so um, uh. So, yeah, I ended up dating this guy that was – so I was 18. He was 36. Okay. Lord have mercy when you call it daddy situation. That was exactly what that was. It was this white guy that I moved to D.C. with to be with. Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. Okay. And we lived below Senator John McCain. God rest his soul. Um, Wait, how? Yeah, okay, it was, I it was say, great. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of, okay. That's a whole story on its own, right? It there. sure is. It sure is. But we that. shared the same maid. Um, anyway, it was you know it just became this really interesting thing, and I thought that's what gay people did. I thought, you know, and I think I talked to you about this earlier about a lot of people objectified me. I was as a twink yeah. back then, so I was really super skinny, and I didn't um, I didn't know myself, so I was that you know that queen that was running around and just trying to love everything and didn't know how to have relationships i didn't even know what i wanted and you know it kind of hurts me a little bit to think about that to think gosh i i was with this person but i didn't know how to have a relationship and yeah. he should have known better to be completely honest with you um he's 36 i was 18 yeah. i'm pretty sure that wasn't a it was a power dynamic situation yeah, yeah. but you know along the path of my my life and my dating life it was pretty turbulent you know i had all these failed relationships i was engaged three times i married i've divorced so i married the fourth person who and yeah um but with that being said like i this past few years since my divorce um on i moved away to here portland um after my divorce and a friend uh, came up or chatted with me and he said, you know, TJ, I've never seen you without a, a man by your side. And so it was kind of this eye-opening experience. Number one, I was fucking pissed that he would say that. I'm like, fuck you. I've been like single, f I'm sure, for like, I don't know, a month or so at least. But, you know, that was kind of the realization was I've always had somebody by my side. Yeah. 
and that's you know I know they were trying to be they were just trying to be honest and I just wasn't ready to hear it but I did at the time I, I looked at that and I said you know what you're right completely and it took a really hard look at my dating history how I treated people you know what I wanted because getting divorced you know you kind of have you kind of set your life up for this amazing ride with this person and then all of a sudden when you're separated it becomes not that yeah all the things that you thought of or, or planned out or fantasized about doesn't like is not going to happen yeah, yeah, yeah. so um so the last few years since 2015 i kind of embarked in this like I want to learn about myself like wholeheartedly. And um, so Brene Brown, I'm sure you know. Love her. Um, Love her. She's fantastic. Um, a lot of her things I'm influenced by. Um, a lot of my research and a lot of the way I question my, even in my schooling is based off, you know, grounded theory researching, um, how I speak to people. But the bottom line is I had, I read her book and I had so many post sets because I had so many examples of how horrible I used to be. And partly that was being gay, you know, because I didn't, I, nobody's taught me how to do it. But part of that was my own self kind of hatred of, as a person of color, growing up in a world where you're fetishized, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then objectified. Mm -hmm. And so your worth is dependent on what you, you look like or, you know, no other characteristics in your life. So... You know, Brene really allowed me through her book. I kind of understood this is kind of who I am. I, I looked at all the traits in my life and I found that I've had a lot of uh, courage, courageous moments. I had a lot of compassion for people while they were maybe not as compassionate towards me. Mm -hmm. um, but I also treated people kindly. And so even though I, I was a kind of a bitch <laughs> when I was younger, I still exhibited those three traits um, throughout my course of my, you know, up until that divorce. Yeah. And my sister at the time too kind of said, you know, TJ, you can't lose yourself in this because she's divorced as well. But she was like, you know, you might lose yourself. But I want to remind you that you're always these things. Like I never deviated away from, you know, my my bitchiness may have come at um, a joke or at somebody's expense, yeah. but it was still within reason and yeah. kindness, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, I I just I've kind of had to pick myself back up. Um, I had to relearn about who I was as a person of color and this is really tough too because i learned that things were stacked up against me i could have actually been in jail i could have been you know um a huge drug addict um and by the way uh, i guess i should s center this um so you know being a person of color and gay comes at a cost and we talk about this. I'm I'm one of the advisory board members of CAP Cascades AIDS Project. You know, um, when I joined them, I didn't realize how epidemic um, or how impactful people of color have, or how people of color have been affected, myself included. You know, drugs are one of the big things. Alcohol, alcohol um, addiction—they're all kind of geared towards people of color. 
because in a in a world that you kind of grew up in where you're fetishized you're looked not as a person you're looked as an object that i wasn't any different from that and that was kind of one of the bigger hurdles too you know my ex-husband kind of got me into drugs and that was really rough so on not you know in addition to my divorce i was trying to battle like addiction and that's really rough you know it was a tough space and then i realized that as a person of color that was stacked up against me yeah for sure you know that wasn't something that I, I was, you know, shame is what really helps addiction fuel, you know, like if I'm ashamed that this has happened to me, I'm ashamed I'm, you know, divorced, I'm ashamed that I, I didn't, I wasn't smart enough to save some stuff or save some money so that I could pick myself back up, you know, that, you know, it just, it made it rough, rougher. Yeah. So, you know, and finding myself, not only did I have to figure out who I was, I had to battle that. I had to battle like the trust issues that come along with being that my ex-husband was also, you know, um, abusive verbally, mm -hmm. mentally, physically. Um, and a couple of those things were like interesting as you go to um, like I called the police once when he choked me mm -hmm. and there was like, you know, his arm marks around my neck, but I'm the person of color and he was white and they let him go. And but people of color and being gay, you think about that and like how many other countless people are in my situation that aren't in the same way. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, those are the things I'm stacked up against. And I realize if I'm going to actually make it through this world in one piece and with a whole heart, um, I may not love again is really what it came down to when I was picking myself back up. Yeah. I think I realized that I'm OK with being alone. But I, I told myself, I want to try. Yeah. I think I deserve love like anybody else. 100%. Um, sure. So, you know, I learned a lot through those years. Um, and as a person of color, it just, you know, I I think it's it's a lot stronger now as I look at um, all the different people as a gay, as, especially mm -hmm. as a gay male. What do you mean by stronger? Like, um, I know that I'm worthy for love i and belonging Got it. Okay. and all those things that people that i grew up stacked up against right yeah. when you grew up I'm, I'm not an object right so like i was telling you earlier um <laughs> i i went on a hi hiatus a one and a half year hiatus of not having sex and i it's not like i was trying to be mother Teresa or anything like that trust me it it was <laughs> you know like i kind of sort of just did it i just i just wanted to stop like yeah. um and i wanted to find something and you know a couple of learnings that i i did learn along that so it was like one month and i was like oh that was easy then two months i was like oh, okay and then after three months i just wasn't thinking about it yeah when it became like half a year i was like oh crap i'm like half a year into this and not having sex but i realized i I had more time to do things. Yeah. I got into school. Yes. I got to do um, yes. sports. I so I played in I played in a gay dodgeball league and nice. a gay soccer league, and so I got to meet all these things. And I was like, I, I wasn't on any apps, and I was like, I kind of, I kind of like this. I want to I want to meet somebody like the old fashioned way. Yeah. Um, meaning I want to meet somebody through somebody, and I thought that was much more special for me um, because in my path to recovery. 
I realized a lot of my trust and uh, my boundaries were broken. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And especially going into that, you know, I realized how healthy I need to have my, the people around me. So it took a lot of strength to do that. But I realized I had friends, like I had made friends along the way. And I had like all these wonderful gifts that I, I, I kind of adopted when not looking for sex. So I'm sorry, I know this is all about like the relationships, but I found my relationship with myself a whole lot more interesting because I just, I, I never knew I had this. I was like, oh, I didn't realize I did this. I didn't realize I cared for this. Yeah. So um, anyway, fast forward. I ended up, um, so now I've been single. And so technically I have been sexless for almost two years, with that exception of the one half sex, which as a gay male, <laughs> you should know. People are like, is that a half chub or how's that? So, right. Okay. So let me explain this. Let me explain this. I, uh, so in, in gay relationships, you can, you have a variety of things you can do. Yeah. I am not like those people. <laughs> I am. Uh, so there's a, the guy and a girl typically, you know, power dynamic in relationships. So we call them tops and bottoms. And then people who are versatile can do both. They can be a top or a bottom. I am typically called the bottom. And so anyway, um, me and I will not say who it was, but we tried, or the guy that I dated, I guess, because I'll start to make sense. Um, in September, we tried and it was like for a few minutes. And, you know, the thing I forget that I have like this honing signal for endowed men. And I didn't know that, he, like, I didn't realize how endowed he was. So we tried and it was like for only a few minutes. I was like, no, I can't do it. Like, so anyway, that was my, that's the half. So kind of broke my year and a half streak. Um, So fast forward to now. So last week I was like, okay, I got to break my streak. I, I went on Grindr. I went on Tinder and I'm swiping, swiping right. I'm swiping right, you know, I'm getting matched and nobody's like, I'm like turning up the heat, like, Fuck me. You know, like, like literally just, just, you know, I'm trying to get it. Yeah. Nobody's biting. And I don't know, maybe desperation does not sound good on me, but <laughs> I ended up, uh, sort of actually he volunteered himself as tribute. Uh, my friend was like, I'll do it. I'll fuck you. So <laughs> I guess I will. I know. Right. And, but the thing too is like, I was like, okay, like, thanks. You're going to help me out here. So like, I don't know, get me back on, I don't know, back on the streets or something. Yeah. Like, anyway, long story short, I forget about this mechanism that I have for endowment people. Cause I'm, he's my friend. I've never seen his penis, but when we were in the throes, he had a really big penis. And for people who have never done anal sex, I highly recommend you still like, uh, silicone lube and not lube from Amazon who says it's anal lube like I did and I thought it was gonna be okay and it wasn't and now I'm in pain like I'm a week out in pain still and that was only like for five minutes because I couldn't take it and because of the lube I, I'm blaming the lube and I'm putting that on Amazon like as a you know like one, one of those star. yep one star your lube caused my ass pain like that's <laughs> That is how I'm, I'm going to take that. That's my that's my soundbite for for this episode now. That's going to be the front right when you play it. Yeah, yeah. That's really how it is. And so 
I uh, had to tell this guy that I wanted to go on a date with today that I could not hang out with him. And then I can't lie. So I was like, well, well, this is kind of the story. I, you know, I kind of sat on my friend's cock and uh, kind of hurt me. <laughs> and I didn't realize he was big. But I kind of like, you know, big penises for Asians are like Mount <laughs> Everest. You kind of know that you shouldn't go to base camp one, but you really just want to try. And my athleticism, <laughs> you know, like my athleticism totally wants me to go for it. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm like Cirque du Soleil and I'm flexible, but I was going for it and I was in it to win it. Just, you know, the lube wasn't very helpful for me. So. I'm just, I'm just trying to like figure I'm like am I allowed to have this one I don't know I'm so sorry that was really graphic but that's kind of how I talk it's funny um, but yeah well I appreciate appreciate the stories <laughs> I know this is gonna be fun uh, to cut by the way it. no this is this, I'm just gonna release this raw straight uncut to the to the people <laughs> this is gold um I guess just yeah, just two quick things. I know we're gonna wrap up because yeah. since I'm I'm just moving things around. Yeah. Um, like uh, just a message. Like, do you have like a message to people who are listening, who are straight, who are gay, or part of the LGBT community? Not to be gay exactly. Um, just just like just do you have like, a message for them? Because like I have, like even just growing up in San Francisco, like I still have a lot of homophobic friends. Like even just moving up here, and I think that's. Sad to say, like it's it's gonna be around for a long time. Yeah. Um, but there are there are a lot of allies, and there are a lot of people moving, or people who are like, I want to be an ally, but I don't know how to be an ally, or like I don't know how to have like how to like navigate these conversations. And and for you, like I really appreciate you being so open. Like I've been hitting up TJ for a while, and then we're scheduled <laughs> for a while, so uh, <laughs> so I finally we finally got a schedule where both of us could could meet up and. You just being so willing to, to sit yeah. down and talk and stuff like that. Um, but, like, do you have, like, a message or some type of advice or just something from from your view? Because you're so, you're, like, so full of experience, so educated, so, like, you, like, and you're so open to, like, speak and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. like, listen to the message or anything. That you have. I mean, a couple of things I could think of. Um, for those who are, like, my dad, who haven't quite evolved yet. Oh, like my dad, who haven't quite evolved yet. You know, I think we should always appreciate people for who they are. They're not on the same journey as us. And sometimes they may never come to our journey is kind of what I learned about that. And I, I know while that disappointment's very short, I have to understand that that's where they're at. But for those around them, you know, they have the opportunity to move the mark you know, for people who want to know a little bit more about themselves or scared to know about themselves. Understand that, you know, when you're scared about something, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're vulnerable. And that's okay. Because when you're scared and you're vulnerable, the best, best, like, thing that could happen to you is you're going to take this leap of faith, and we call that courage, and you're going to get to that spot and you may or may not find this amazing thing at the end or you might find something really wonderful at the end. And that wonderful thing could be as simple as, you know what, I actually I actually really don't not like gay people. You know, I actually really like gay people. 
I have friends and I can see them as people versus them being as gay, you know? Um, and the other thing I can think of is I think everybody has an opportunity to love with an open heart. You know, if anything that I've learned in Brene Brown's thing is yeah. being in the arena. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. We talk about, she talks about that all the time and, in, in more specifically in love, like I'm in the arena right now trying to get my butt kicked and I know I'm going to fail at some things. I went on a date the other day and he kind of said that we didn't have a match and I, I kind of said that same thing too. But the best part about it is we're kind of navigating through this and I thought he was going to be kind of a dick about it and he wasn't and I wasn't a dick back. So it was kind of this like we're both trying to all navigate and want to be loved and want to belong to somebody and for some others belonging to multiple people, those polyamorous people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think dating, you just have to kind of jump, like be in the arena and yeah. expect to get your butt kicked is what she would say. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with her on that. <laughs> <laughs> and last thing, I always say put up your boundaries Boundaries are different from guards and walls and things like that. Remember to respect people's boundary. I think that's the most important in this new age of digital dating. We have to be able to speak and have a language to say, look, this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm not comfortable with. This is what I love. And this is what I I, I like. And these are things that are okay, but I'm not quite sure. You know, like you have to be able to voice those boundaries because yeah. they're going to make your dig- your dating experience and your digital dating experiences a lot more e- easier because we're communicating with each other what we want and what yeah. we need. So, yeah. Those are the only things. <laughs> words of wisdom. <laughs> like really, that was, that was really words of wisdom because, um, I mean, that's such that's, that's a big thing I try to... I, bring up and i think that's like why i kind of started this podcast and called dating digital and stuff like that because i you know undercuttingly i wanted to as a kind of a sneak this <laughs> to like not to people who use these dating apps in general but just like to to the digital world in general which mm. i'm i'm at fault for too of how like it does kind of been communicating cutting out communication out and stuff like that so i think it's important that you brought this podcast out i think there's a lot of people who don't know how to navigate um, and I love that you share stories because I, I firmly believe that stories, like even some of my fun stories, I'm sure somebody out there is going to be like, I have the same thing too. Yeah, exactly. I know. And that's, that's, that's what exactly. you bring is, you know, a lot of our shared stories that make one fantastic unity. And that's humanity is we don't, we can't navigate this alone. Yeah. And despite the fact that sometimes when we put our armor up, we want to be alone and we think we can do this you know my divorce my abuse all those things that happened to me my you know recovery i didn't do them alone i thought i did and when i was going down the path of being alone that never bode well for me i i always went down spiraling when i when i thought i could do this alone because i didn't want to take anybody with me but what i didn't realize is people are so the right people that you put into your life will help support you along the path. And that's when you start to realize you're not alone. Yeah. And that, that guided friendship and what we call love is amazing. So when you're putting yourself out there and dating, like you said, you're sharing these stories, but I'm sure somebody's going to find another story after me and um, after other, other, your podcasts, you know, 
that's what's going to fuel them to keep going. Yeah. It's shared stories. Shared stories. Yeah. You make me wanna prove it. On this last segment of the episode, we welcome Nat, who's been an amazing friend. And a lot of has changed since we've recorded this interview on January 17th, 2020. Since then, Nat and I have both graduated from the graduation program. Is it graduation program? I think it's called the graduate program. Casey, calm down. We both graduated from the graduate program, and Nat has unfortunately left for the uh, country back home to Malaysia. You can catch that episode on the People Project podcast. But here is Nat's point of view on his experiences as an international student in America who also identifies as trans masculine. Here's Nat. You make me wanna prove it. I too fall short as a man. <laughs> And the thing is, we all do, right? Because we all fall short of tall, dark, and handsome, yeah. or <laughs> what it means oh, yeah. to be a man. Yeah. Um, well, when did when did that when did that um, when did when did that or woman or any other thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> plug it. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um. So when, like, at what age were you when you started figuring, like, like, or started? wondering you mm-hmm. know um and what what were some of the the thoughts or experiences mm-hmm. like in your mind that you can remember that was that was happening um for you you know what casey <laughs> i in kindergarten <laughs> i yeah. had crush on twins okay i couldn't pick so i picked both <laughs> 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 and i'm like oh uh and i would my mom would give me, buy me like sticker earrings yeah. and all these things. Um, I even like, like we used to have these like panel, like these glass panels. Um, it's at schools, and when they would break, they looked like shards of diamonds, and yeah. I thought they were diamonds while yeah. I was waiting for the school bus, and I collected a few and I handed it to them. Like, actually thinking back, it's probably not safe when I handed <laughs> yeah, like kindergarten like glass pieces. <laughs> Take some, take some earrings, take yeah. some glass shards. Here's some sticker earrings and some oh glass shards. Oh my gosh! And don't eat them, please. I mean, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, like I masked it as like diamonds, right? And yeah. so, like, hopefully, they they know how to not eat diamonds. I don't know. Um, if I knew how to give it, I'm gonna trust that they knew how not to eat it. <laughs> but that's that's when I I knew. But the thing about it is, is that, and I think that I've only really experienced the fact that like it was like something that was shameful or um, inappropriate. And I wouldn't say this is like the first encounter because I think maybe along the way yeah. I might have and have forgotten, but <laughs> the ones that were most impactful is just when uh, when I would go to church mm. and like when I would try to get closer in my relationship to God, yeah. that would always be another fall short because it's like, there's always like a, oh, it's okay that you're gay or, you know, just like people of the same sex. Yeah. Um, but, but don't act on it. And all, and all at the same time, like, um, it's like, okay, I have to, and then they say, they say like, if you 
are truly open to change, like like God will change you. So that means if he's not changing me, if I still like women, that means I'm not open enough. Mm. And then it becomes my fault. Um, and it was just always this struggle. But that struggle wasn't like, that voice wasn't from God. Like that voice was just perspective. Um, so, so in that sense, like that was the hardest part for me to try to, to, what's that word? Um, just kind of merge the two identities. So it always had to be separate mm. um, for a long time. And yeah. I think uh, being here at George Fox, that, that journey has evolved quite a bit because there is more of a empowerment and distinction between spirituality and religion. For sure. Um, and, and that's been incredibly healing for me. But I think that that, that, that has, um, even though my mom was like, don't talk to somebody or whatever, like I still did whatever I wanted to do. I still liked and loved and cared for whoever I wanted to care mm -hmm, for. Mm -hmm. And um, for the most part, I kind of always got the girl. <laughs> uh, so it never really, um, like it never really deterred me mm -hmm. so much in terms of like what people in society were seeing around yeah. me. Um, and I really lucked out because for all the reasons that I am the, the way I am, and for the most part, pretty personable and and, and like it's made it easier. And at the same time, like it sucks that it has to be a requirement for everybody else um, who are different. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it's like if you want to be accepted, but different, like you got to be exceptional. Mm -hmm. Um, in in some way, I'm not saying that I'm exceptional. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not smug that way, but but um, but. Basically, like, like in my mind, like if you wanna, if you're gonna be fat, you gotta have to be nice, you know. If you're thin, ah, you're gonna be like, yes. you can be a bitch, and you're like, at least you're pretty, or I'm like, rich you know, or, or like whatever, yeah. yeah. And so, it kind of, kind of that mentality, yeah. Um, which, which is, is balls. Super. Yeah. Um. So I'm curious, like. And this is gonna be ignorant to me. I like I really don't know. I'm just really curious about it. Your curiosity is one of the things I love about you, Kate. <laughs> well, so like like the the woman that you've been with, mm -hmm. like going into the relationship, are they viewing you as um as a man? Mm -hmm. And so like would they be considered like straight or lesbian or mm -hmm. bisexual or bicarious? I don't know. Like I'm sure. just really curious. I really honestly. Yeah, it's a great question. Really. Um, I don't know because I don't think I've really asked, like mm. flat out asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had little conversations about it, and as we grow older, but when, but I think for the most part, I felt. Like, um, I think women are have the capacity to be a little bit more lenient um, in the on the spectrum, like the the sexuality spectrum. Yeah. Um, compared to men. Yeah. Uh, because of different socialization For sure. structures, but oh, huge, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but I felt like. Um, I always had to play the part, enough of a part, um, man enough in the right ways, and vulnerable enough 
um, to be true to myself. Um, but there were relationships, like my first one, where I still wasn't enough. Like there was still shame around that. Um, and you know what? Like as you grow older and like you become more intimate with your partner, it's like there is no hiding anymore. And it's either they can rock with it or they can't. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's your body. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's nothing else that you can really do about that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and that will come out. Like, I mean, there, there's just no choice. That will come out in, in, in the feedbacks yeah. that we talked about. At this point of the conversation, Nat and I are talking about just the vulnerability of being naked, being nude, and what does that look like in his skin and in his relationships. No, I think if anything, if anything, my... Because I'm pretty open about mm-hmm. who I am, and I, and I, for the most part, try to communicate as best that I can, that, like... And that's the uh, that's the sucky frustrating thing is that like so much of your identity, especially if you identify as LGBT, it feels like you have to disclose a lot of parts of yourself ah, before you're ready. Yeah. Um, before you even feel safe, because yeah. part of that also contributes to your safety, and so yeah, it's yeah. really like picking the lesser evil. Yeah. Um, do I let somebody know right off the bat? Or do, you know, and so that they, they just know that, you know, all cards are on the table, you yeah. can choose. Or do I give them more space to know me? Or, yeah. And on top won't... of that, it's like, it's hard to be, it's hard to be a person yeah. and be authentic if at the back of your head, you're like, I wonder if they know this about me, you know? Um, so, so Yeah. So in that sense, like, it's hard. And, and, and that's what I've always tried to do is, like, right off the bat, this is who I am. Uh, and, and different girlfriends before, it's like, I had longer hair my first girlfriend. My second girlfriend was identified as bisexual. Um, uh, the third one, um, she thought I was a... I was male. And then... Um, and then later on had friends or somebody else to tell her differently. And so in that sense, like the pros of being open is that like maybe there are other people that can have that conversation uh, yeah, or stand yeah. in, in between. But at the same time, like, uh, yeah, I think it's just an iffy thing that you yeah. have to, you know, if you, as, as you meet somebody, you have to tell them something that is so personal and intimate <laughs> that you're Super. already still going in. Like you're just still in transition of yeah. in in the process of discovering for yourself, yeah. um, and there's sa- safety concerns to think about and how they would react, um, and like I said, you know that feedback of like if they cringe, like you know that hurts. So so personal, and 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 it's a choice. Yeah, like hide it and hide yourself in the process. And, and on top of that, sometimes people lose people just because maybe they're perceived as inauthentic. But they never really thought, think about and talk about, like, or honor, like, was it safe for this person to be who they are? Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And, and I hope that this was clear throughout, the, throughout this interview that, or podcast, 
what do you call it? An interview? I call it interview. Okay. Yeah. Throughout this interview that I'm really very much speaking from my own experience of things and I don't claim to um, take up space that isn't mine. And I think we talked about that, that that was a in- interesting and important shift for me coming into the U.S. because um, like here I am taking up like holding the cards of being a person of color, LGBT, and 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 a lot like just representing a lot of um, what has been an uprising of like protests, protests like just conversations around like these civil rights, right? Um, and and I don't claim to know it. And I don't claim to live the life that a person of color um, who is from the U.S. or a person or an LGBT person that is has originated from the U.S. Um, I don't claim to know what that experience is like because mm-hmm. I very much grew up in a country where I had people that looked like me. Um, um, and I've had people of power that looked like me um, because in, in, in Malaysia... Um, the Chinese population has a whole lot of um, just economic influence. Um, so so I don't have those same experiences. Mm-hmm. And as much as I can, and to the best of my awareness, will try not to take up that space. Um, so hopefully that's clear that like I am Malaysian. I came to U.S. to study and, um, and incorporate... I guess incorporate like, like what does this conversation, like America is very much a pioneer of a lot of conversations um, that we might not have or might not know to have just yet, um, um, or might not need to have. But but I feel like the LGBT conversation is worldwide, is a human thing, and um, yeah, and just important for me to to learn and discern the balance between my east and west yeah um uh so so yeah i think the only thing that i would want to say is that as cliche as it is um life is a journey and and i don't think that people can come out okay without some kindness um, whether from each other or and especially within yourself mm-hmm. um, towards yourself so so yeah I mean there there is no set formula there there is a social construct yeah. um, and, a, and a social like contract yes yeah. and we have to navigate within that but it's not always perfect it's not always right and you get to think about that question that interrogate that absolutely um yeah, and I hope more than anything else is that everybody finds who they are as much as they can in this lifetime. You make me want to prove it. You make me want to prove it. Thank you again to all our guests on this episode, to Kiana, to TJ, and to Nat for taking the time to just meet and talk. And 
again, it's <laughs> these interviews were so long ago, so it feels kind of surreal to kind of listen to them and wondering how they would feel about hearing it now. But again, hope you all learned something about anything at all, really, whether it's about guests or about some social constructs of the world and just identities because identities are important to honor and to recognize and i'm hoping that with this episode out that the ball will go rolling and we'll continue finishing the rest of the recorded episodes we will see on the next time of dating digital today's music is provided by westworld by evan gia that's the artist and the song as well as the song prove it this was all gathered from the interwebs on commercial free so yeah get it do it honor it enjoy have a great day have a great week whenever you are listening to this take care of yourself and be safe out there you question my intention i got a reputation you made me want to change it Swipe right, don't swipe left Let me show you how I'm better than the rest Let's grab a drink, maybe some coffee We'll take turns as we make each other's knees weak Promise I'm not only in it for the physical Wanna see if you're the one I'd really like to know Gotta see if there's chemistry that's critical That's the game that we play Dating digital Dating digital Dating digital That's the game that we play Dating digital Dating digital Dating digital That's the game that we play